Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hypnotic Healers Podcast. My name is Nicole Mazzucato and as always, I'm here with my friend and co-host Anthony Gitch all the way over there. Our usual disclaimer before we get started, neither Anthony nor I, nor our guest, I believe, are licensed medical professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, or anything of the sort. So please don't make any changes or alterations to any medications or treatments that you're on based on the conversation you hear here today. As usual, take what you like and leave the rest. While you're leaving stuff, leave us a like, a love, a heart, a thumbs up, leave us a review, leave us some comments, get in touch, let us know how you're how you're feeling, how much you're enjoying the podcast or not in the case of some people recently, which is fine too. <laughs> Welcome, Anthony. Hello. Hello, darling. How are you? Hello. Yeah, good, good. We've had a couple good. of comments recently, which is fine. You, I can deal I, I with that. I can't believe that you said that. That's too funny. <laughs> So everybody on the show today, we have with us Helen Wire from Suffolk, UK. Um, she's a hypnotherapist who specializes in anxiety and IBS, and um, we are excited to have her here. I was talking to her just before we got started, and it sounds as if she is way busier than even I would like to be. So everybody, Helen, Helen Wire, let's figure out what she's doing and, and figure out how to do it like her in 2023. Yeah, welcome. Well, that's a fantastic introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I hope I live. I hope I live up to uh, to that intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. So welcome, welcome. We met recently, uh, last month, we met last month at a meetup in, in London. It was great to meet you in person because I've seen Anthony Jackwin, you know, talk about you and, and share some of the stuff that the collaborations that you've been doing together around. So I'm really, really pleased to to talk to you and have you here. So it's 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 really great. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So I'm really interested before we even get into you used to be a teacher how mm -hmm. did you go from teaching into now i can understand why would one why one would want to leave the profession with what's going on <laughs> in it these days but yeah, yeah. what what took you what what interested you enough to say you know what i i think i want to leave the little ones to their own hell and i'm going to go and create this paradise for myself right and your own working for yourself and creating that what what what, what took you from that place to the other um, a series of lots of events that, that came together, really. So um, I began to get very disillusioned with teaching, not as in teaching. The ch I loved the teaching. I loved being in front of the class and the children. Children were the easy bit, I have to say. But all the, the bureaucracy, all the government yeah. interference, all that kind of stuff was really wearing me down. And mm. I hadn't realized how much of a of an impact it was having on me till I left, actually. Um, but, you know, it really was. And then a really good friend of mine that I'd known for since I was six, I think it was. Um, so she was diagnosed with cancer and, and died very quickly within about six weeks. And that was a oh, wow. real kind of like shock of wake up Helen what the what what are you doing with your life you know you're you're driving you're running yourself into the ground you're stressed you're this that and the other what are you doing 
but I didn't know what to change to. So then there was a year or so of thinking, well, I don't want to do this anymore, but what do I do? I still need to to earn money. I need to make a living. And we became we we were we were a very good school and we in in the UK we have something called Ofsted which grades particular schools and we got the highest category and that was we all were like very excited that's amazing but it was to our detriment because suddenly mm. we were getting lots of student teachers apply to come and join us lots of um other teachers so I could go into a class one morning my head used to say to me oh Helen um I know you'll be the least phased by this I forgot to tell anybody else you've got six adults watching you teach this morning or something like that and it was just like okay this is what happens then you know and so from that, they sent me on a, because I used to, to mentor quite a lot of student teachers, and they sent me on a coaching course. And it, I don't know if you've ever known any teachers that have been on, you know, professional development courses, but the courses you go on, be really honest, they're either really crap, or, you know, you just look at it and think, how am I supposed to implement that in my day-to-day life? So you switch off. Well, I did anyway. I used to write my shopping and just nod every now list, nod every now and then <laughs> as if I knew what I was doing. But when I went, was sent on this coaching course, that wasn't for teachers. That was just for anybody and everybody. And the energy in the room was amazing. And I came back buzzing, absolutely buzzing and thinking, I want this world. I like it. Mm -hmm. And then I began to think that actually, I've always without realizing I've taught in a coaching kind of style, because I had to because I would have these students come in at this kind of grade, and I had to get them to here. And I didn't know how to do it. So without realizing, I developed a kind of coaching technique without even realizing. Because I liked that, I was like, got into more into that world. And then people started talking about NLP. And I was like, what the hell's NLP? So again, did a little bit more. And then I, I funded that to, you know, myself to do an NLP course. And from there, then just thought, this is where I want to began to meet other people who were, you know, these things called hypnotists. Well, in my world, hypnotists were people that stood on a stage and made you do something yeah. stupid. I'd never realized that you could do other things with it. Yeah. So, yeah. And then there was just something that, you know, just a series of events at school. And I just thought, I'm done with this. It's either that I'm going to end up, I don't know, really sick and, and in hospital or with an emotional kind of breakdown, I just needed to leave. So that's what I did. And <laughs> already very rash because thinking, oh, crap, I've still got to pay bills and this, that and the other. Um, but I, I, it's quite a good motivator when you suddenly come from one place where you've earned quite well to thinking, I don't have a clue how to do this. You learn pretty quickly and you take risks because you have to just to see what happens. You push a few doors and, and just see what happens. And you I just learned from people. And that's kind of how I transitioned across and, and moved into to what I do now. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. I can know. totally relate to your story, having quite a similar backstory. So yeah, I can I can totally relate and, and well done you for, you know, serendipity in a way, you know, being sent on yeah. that course and 
getting yeah. that buzz and, and that zest for life and being, oh, yes, no, I remember this feeling. <laughs> that's yeah, the direction that's right. I want to go in rather than this thing that's sucking the life out of Oh, me. absolutely, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and it's, you yeah. know, like you said, it, 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 you do have to take risk, right? Um, you, you have to take risk because it, it's all dependent upon you. There isn't anybody, you're not going to get a paycheck from anybody. Um, you have to be able to put yourself out there. The nice thing, and we talked, we touched on this a little while ago, being able to surround yourself with the right type of people. And I really liked when you said that you, you did the NLP thing, and then you met these, these people called hypnotists. And isn't it interesting? I, I don't know for you, but when I started meeting these people called hypnotists, I started like, this is an interesting group of people that are generally really friendly, very supportive. They're, 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 they're really, they're in it to really help people. Right. And whether that's other hypnotists or, or their clients. Right. And there are some that are a little bit more, I'm a competitor sort of thing. So won't do that. But I think that for the most part, I really like you said that, that it was mm. kind of the people that helped draw you into it because it was certainly that for me as well. And when I go to the conferences, I'm like, I love these people. These, these are just good, genuine, I want to help. Yeah. And I think that's so true about surrounding yourself with the right people because, again, starting out I didn't have any client base I hadn't got a clue how to get them and all this sort of stuff and if I'd have listened to everybody who'd have said this is going to fail you're not going to do this and I had to distance myself even from some quite close friends and especially from some of the people where who I used to teach with some of them were really pro me and others, and you kind of looking behind it and looking back with the distance of time, I think it was, you've done something that I want to do. Yeah. And so therefore, it was like, you know, quite to be very negative to towards yeah. you. Uh -huh. So I had to kind of, uh, again, and one of the things which I now realize, and I've used before in, in my own sessions with people or things like that, when my kids, before they did exams or anything, and I used to just laugh and say to them, because they'd come in, they'd be scared, they'd be this, all this sort of stuff. And I used to say, come on, let's put on our hip, oh, no, I didn't used to use hypnotic because I didn't know the word. I'd just go, let's put on our, our cloak of confidence and let's do the, the swagger around the classroom and things. Mm -hmm. And we'd be prancing around thinking we were all so cool and sometimes if it was a kid being bullied or whatever or or had a very difficult home life they were the type of kids that be hanging around they didn't want to go home they'd ask for jobs to be you know can I help you in the classroom can I tidy up and it's like do you not have a home to go to and then often it would come come out about there was you know fighting at home and whatever and I remember one little lad and saying to him just imagine yourself you know sitting up in your room with this sort of shield around you and all these things that that you're you know you hear from your mum and dad down below are just bouncing on off there and you're cocooned in this and I came out with all this sort of stuff and it was later on I thought that's kind of a bit of what I do, you know, do yeah. now yeah so you, thing, you were you were using suggestion kind of, <laughs> I hadn't kind of realized that what what I was doing but then it got me thinking about well you do so need to have the right people around you and like you yeah there's there's one or two that's like oh you're you know your your competitor or something but I have to say 
the people and there's loads of people on online um jason lynette's one he puts lots out there for for free you know anthony freddie the jacqueline they've always been ready to to help people in the academy or anything you know anything like that and i just think that's amazing um and it is it's a really it's 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 in a good way the antithesis of everything I found when we were teaching (laughs) yeah right yeah yeah so I'm really interested because I know you as the IBS lady and I know you've done some collaborations and you've taught you you've got a course a a training course where you train people specifically in using hypnotherapy for IBS the UK is the one thing that the NHS will refer you to a hypnotherapist for Uh, the NHS won't refer you to a specific hypnotherapist but if you go on the NHS website hypnotherapy is one of the things that they will actually suggest that said about they won't refer you to one particular thing I know there's a local hospital and apparently because I get quite a few people from this particular consultant who will say to them you know look I, I don't know where else to go with this have you thought about hypnotherapy and then I think what he does is goes <clears throat> Helen Wire is quite good, <laughs> but then he would have more knowledge of saying it when it gets there. So they're not actually specifically allowed to, but I think it goes on. It was the same yeah. when I was teaching. I would sometimes say to parents, you know, look, if you want my advice, I would go and see this specialist for this, that, and the other. But if you ask if any if anyone says, did I say that, I would deny all knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, absolutely. Yeah. So there's, and there's, there's so much value. I mean, I can tell you from my own experience, I was diagnosed with IBS as a, as a kind of teenager in my, in my late teens, early twenties. And it was, it was quite an interesting thing thing because the doctors, you know, sort of tell you they, it could be anything really. It's, it could be anything. It could be that you've got diarrhea. It could be that you're constipated. It could be that you're bloated. It could be, you know, there's, it could be that you're vomiting. They don't, there's this whole range of symptoms, which completely. I, yeah. I think there's themselves. about, I can't remember the exact, there's about 20, 25, 26 of them. And as long as you meet the criteria of most of them, that's what it, it's, I always say with IBS, it's not one specific thing. That's what a syndrome is, you know, right. and it's almost, it's almost, been diagnosed because they've excluded everything right. everything, everything else. else yeah sure this is what we're right that's why they call it yeah. a syndrome because they yeah. can't identify the you know the, the the cause of it the the inception so to speak right i mean yeah. it's it's yeah. um yeah and so, and yeah, I mean, I, I came to realize that a lot of it was very much emotionally triggered. And as I, as I kind of grew and developed and, and was able to kind of become more consciously aware of what was happening with myself, I was very much able to kind of think, oh, I'm stressed or I'm in a situation that I don't want to be. And suddenly I'd get this terrible, terrible pain and, and, and need to go, you know, need to leave, or I'd have my excuse as to why I could excuse myself or, or not join people or not have to participate in something that I didn't want to participate in. And I, I started on my own to become aware of, of that and kind of started to make that link myself. That doesn't mean that I was immediately able to take control of it, but it was that initial sense of awareness. And I didn't have anyone telling me that it was just something, a conclusion I came to by myself, that initial sense of awareness was what eventually led me to 
cure myself. Yeah, well, that's amazing IBS. that you did that then. Yeah, well, I mean, it was know, a few years, a few years in the making. <laughs> well, you know, and it's it's funny because you 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 know on your website you you deal with anxiety as well, and anxiety stress creates. I mean, it, it is one of the leading causes mm. of IBS and gut problems because the gut is the second brain. Yeah. Um, when we, when we, when we start to understand that our emotions, you know, if, if we eat, if we're sitting down at a meal and we're eating and we're angry and we're fighting with someone while we're eating and, and sw- think about all the anger we're swallowing in, in a metaphoric sort of way. And, and now we're going to mm. digest that in a healthy way. And we're going to expect that to move through our body, nourish us and, and, and without any problems. No. Um, mm. When we look back, or at least the people I have worked with who have had digestive issues, whether it was IBS or, or allergies to food, those all come back to, uh, I, or at least with each of the clients I've worked with, we've been able to trace them back to an initial stress trigger, like like what you just said, Nicole. One of them was it was a way to get out of athletic events that were high pressure. Um, and and so if I'm sick, I can't do this, then, then, you know, then I can't, I don't have to perform because it's my way out of, it's my excuse, right? Um, mm. and, and, and then it just develops, right? It's a strategy that is, that is like a cancer. It blows up and it becomes out of control and it starts to take over everything. Mm. Um, and, and so being able to, to kind of redirect that energy back to where it needs to go. Right. I mean, that's what mm. we're doing. It's, it's And a what's been process. your experience, Helen, with, with your IBS clients? And, and I suppose really, how did you become a specialist in this? Um, I didn't set out to become a specialist in it. Um, again, if anybody's listening to this, they'll be thinking, how the heck has she built any kind of business kind of thing? Because it's just such a scattergun gun approach. You know, I haven't done anything by the book or how the experts say, mostly because I I didn't really, it was like, let's just be honest here. That's always been my philosophy in life up to, to this point anyway. And it was kind of came because everyone kept saying, you know, all the books that I read, all people, oh, you need to specialize, you need to niche, you need to specialize, you need to niche. And I can remember thinking, but in what? You know, <laughs> and when I and when I trained, I actually really enjoyed it was yeah I would teach maths and English I'd teach science I'd teach art you know I would teach a sport you know I would teach everything and I really enjoyed it because I never really got bored because I the kids used to say to me if they were behaving really really well I used to wander around and like tip a pencil case off a desk or something and they'd say are you bored Mrs Wire and I'd go well I am actually because you don't need me <laughs> but, uh, I do have quite a low boredom threshold I realized subsequently and I thought, well, what do I niche into? And then I thought, well, I'm still really enjoying doing all these sorts of things. And then it was over a while, I suddenly thought, hang on, I haven't done any, I don't know, just for instance, weight loss or something for, for months now. And suddenly I started thinking, I'm doing more and more and more of the same thing and actually that same thing tended to be general anxiety and when I first it was the first session I realized I was having an impact on IBS was I didn't even know this person had IBS they just had debilitating anxiety 
for and of life, really. And suddenly when we sort of got to the end and this person went, well, I'm really where I need to be. They went, and do you know what? My IBS has cleared up completely. And I was like, I didn't even know you had IBS, you know. Because <laughs> she hadn't, this person hadn't told me. And then I, I, I got myself in front of groups of people. So I've often, um, you know, gone to networking events or I've done, um, trying to think, I don't know if you, you have anything like this out in the US or, or it, where you are, Nicole, but they, we call them Women's Institute meetings or something mm. like that. And they often want speakers. Any place that wanted a speaker in that first year, I was like, me, me, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, just to talk about what I did you know, and get the word out there, they'd get to know me. And I'd always pick up two or three clients that way. And, you know, so I've always sort of done this and I've always told stories because again, I've told stories as I was teaching. So I'd start talking about these sessions that I'd done and somebody would go, well, I have IBS, can you help me? And again, my philosophy has always been, yeah, I can help you come and have a chat and then think afterwards, hell, how do I do this? <laughs> but more and more, it found that that's what I was doing. And so I would, I often laugh and say, I didn't choose my speciality. Mm. It kind of chose me. And again, I wonder if it's because, so I went into teaching to make a difference. That was really why I wanted to do it. And suddenly the government got in the way and all this sort of stuff. And I suppose I went into this because I wanted to make a difference. And running your own business, you don't have the same. Yes, you've got to have, you know, obviously there are certain things that you have to adhere to, you know, that you don't work with people who are contraindicated and all this kind of stuff. But you don't have all that level of, of bureaucracy and I was like, I really am making a difference to people, you know, and, you know, they started leaving reviews for me um, and things like that. So then more people would find me. And that's kind of how it how it all really evolved. And then I was just saying to, to are you Anthony or Anthony? I can't remember which one. Anthony. Anthony. Um, and when I was, when we, when, when we were up and I was talking to, you know, Anthony Jackwin in the summer last year when on one of the retreats, I just decided I'd go on one of those. And he said to me, Helen, you so need to do, to do a course for other hypnotherapists because you're doing such great work here. You know, you're passionate about what you do, you know, you're busy. And I looked at him and I went, well, I'd, I'd love to. I said, I can do the teaching. I can do that with my, you know, with my eyes closed. I've taught for so long, but I don't have a clue how to do technology, how to do Zoom, how to take, you know, how to do breakout rooms and all this kind of stuff. And he just looked at me and went, let's have a chat. And it kind of went <laughs> from there. And I'll be honest with you, I went into it thinking if we have 20 people sign up, I will be chuffed a bit. So I will be over the moon and it will, you know, it will make my year. And I think we ended up having over a hundred um, or a hundred wow. or so. And because we recorded the way we did it, we decided early on, because I think people in Australia and New Zealand wanted to do it. And it just became very complicated with um, time zones. 
So the way we did it is that and recorded it is so actually anybody can access it didn't you didn't have to be there live. Um, and from there, we do like a private Facebook group for people so they can always get in touch with us and say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this. Or what would you suggest for this? Or how does that work? Um, so, yeah, that's how um, that's how it all came about. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah Very that's well wonderful. Done. Yeah. And you can see by the big cheesy, I know viewers won't or listeners won't be able to see, but you can see the big cheesy grin on, on my face. <laughs> I still I still pinch myself. It's like, oh Reggie, it really happened and it's really funny. <laughs> 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 amazing, amazing. It's it's so it's so telling, isn't it? With when you feel you feel stuck and stagnated and and you know that things have kind of come to an end in a certain career or job or whatever it is and it's it's only really the kind of safety and familiarity that's keeping you there when you when you do finally take that leap it's challenging it's difficult it's scary but the possibilities are are immense yeah and I'd love to say to you I'd love to sit here and say to you do you know what it all went swimmingly 100% of the time but there's been blood sweat and tears all of my own you know right yeah many times when you know especially at the beginning I was like what am I doing why have I done this (laughs) you know I I want you to recognize you know we were talking you you had mentioned earlier some of those co-workers that were like you're not going to be able to do this right and I, I I love it when those sorts of people are also involved because they are the ones who then get to learn through the courage that you demonstrate because that's what they're upset about is they lack the courage to to trust themselves to have faith that they are indeed going to be able to to make this happen um yeah. and and good on you thank you yeah. and and I think that courage I do think you know, you you need to find it from somewhere. Um, and if you can't, then you need to find someone that can help you find it, whether that's an, <laughs> another, mm. you know, hypnotist or, or something. And it's even looking at your own life. It doesn't have to be about what well, my philosophy is. It doesn't have to necessarily be about starting a business. I've never started a business or something. And I remember thinking to myself, when I was thinking of changing, okay, what's the worst that can happen? And the worst that could have happened was it failed. And I either went back to another teaching job or I did something and you've had to find something else. So I thought, yeah, I can, I can manage, I can live with that if it fails. And then I thought, well, what is the one of some of the worst times I've been through? And, you know, my, my mum, she she died when she was younger than I am now. Um, so I was in, you know, very early 20s when, when she passed away. And I can remember thinking, well, that probably is one is the worst time of my life. And I got through that. So if I can get through that, actually, do you know what? If this business fails, I can get through that as well. Mm. And it's having mm. that kind of self-belief behind you and looking back to your own experiences and thinking what have I done that's been really hard what have I been able to overcome that was actually really bad Mm. but I did actually manage to get through it and I think we sometimes think we have to get through things easily And, and I don't know 
I don't know whether that's because of the, you know, social media or all this kind of business, but life tends to be ups and downs and sideways and all this sort of business, you know, and and again, thinking about when, you know, you sound like Nicole, whether you, you were in teaching as well, but I can remember the government used to draw a graph almost with, a, you know, the axes like this and this line like that. This is how children learn. No, they don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> they nope. do. This is all much <laughs> yeah. more messy and all this sort of business. And actually, that's how we learn as people, mm. as as business owners, as as hypnotherapists, you know, it's it's the same, I, I, you know, and I think having that background of, well, this is how children learn, this is how I'm going to learn, almost took the pressure off, in, in a sense, for, for things to just go swimmingly from, from day one, because they didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love, know, I really are... appreciate that honesty, Helen. <laughs> well, and there are some people that just by... Uh, sheer luck of the universe that, you know, depending upon their human design, I don't know if you know what human design is, but there are certain people that are just out there like me, projector three fives that our, our whole point is to learn through failure yeah. and then, in, and then be able to teach others because of our experiences. Right. Um, and that's, that's what our, our whole, energetics thing is about through the universe. And it's like, you know, when you understand that, it's like, oh, well, it's no wonder I have such resiliency. This is the way I'm designed to be is, you know, learn and, 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 and you know, then be able to help others by teaching it. Um, yeah. And, and we used to, you know, when I was teaching, we we were very much our, our philosophy at school was we learn more through our mistakes than we do from, from things we do well. And, and I totally 100 percent believe that. Hmm. Which I feel is a more modern approach because definitely I'm sure when all of us were at school that yeah. was that was not the approach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nicole, not, I'm, I'm only I'm only 24. What do you mean? <laughs> I, no, 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 I appreciate that. I really do. Even still. <laughs> so you only ever got blue ribbons, yes. Um, I, you know, even when I was working with kids, the parents. There were some people who really didn't approve of the way that I would work with their kids and they would pull their kids out of the courses. I, I, I worked with kids and horses. Um, and I was, and so the, the team of young women that I worked with, they were show jumpers and, and I, it was fun. I, I always taught him, you know, second place is always the first loser. Um, and I made it fun. You know, there's always going to losing, you, you, you never lose anything because it's never a competition with anybody but yourself. And, and when you approach it that way, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that everybody deserves a, a blue ribbon. I don't think that everybody deserves a participate participation ribbon. Um, they don't need to be humiliated, right? It needs to be all in fun, but yeah, that we, we did that to an interesting generation, didn't we? Where where everything is a okay. I'm okay. You're okay. I want to write a book that says I'm okay, but your thinking's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as, a, as a fellow horse horse rider who still rides and has ridden for a long, long time, I I totally appreciate what you said there. Oh, I didn't know that you were a rider. Oh yes. Oh, oh yes. very cool. I, I don't I, have I, my own. 
I don't have my own horse now, but I exercise three at the moment, three beautiful beasts of six, 16, two, 16, three and 16, one. Um, oh, are, we th- uh, are we thoroughbreds or are we warm bloods? Um, thoroughbreds mostly or thoroughbred oh, horses. So nice. So yeah, and eventing and things like oh, that. Oh, right yeah. on. Yeah, I did a tour with the Lipazon Salians. Um, I, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what either of you are talking about. That's, <laughs> that's, that's another, we'll have a chat another time. About absolutely, that. absolutely. Had I known you were a horse gal, we may not have gotten any hypnosis talked about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right on. Well, that's good to know. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and you know what, that, I'll tell you something. I, I think that people that are involved in that aspect of things as well, they know how to work a little differently with teams. And other people, because there is an un there, there's a nonverbal member that you have to be in communication with, and you have to understand on a completely different level. And I think that that gives, I th- personally <clears throat> believe that that gives us an upper hand on being able to feel out what is happening with somebody in 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 in, 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 in an interesting way. Yeah, and I, t- I totally agree with with you. You know, for people that don't horse ride, they perhaps wouldn't understand that. But even people who right. have pets, you know, dogs, cats, you know, yeah, there is yeah. that kind of language that you that you you can communicate with each other. And I was just saying to Nicole earlier, in another part of my youth, I lived in a mud hut in in Africa for for two <laughs> years. And again, I was teaching. But I didn't know the language. So yeah. I was teaching English in a in a village school. But very quickly, you learn how much communication is nonverbal. Mm. Because I didn't have the, the verbal skills there. You know, I learned it very, very quickly because I had to. <laughs> but you can communicate you know, in so many, and I think so. When we talk as, as hypnotherapists about rapport, about um, calibrating your subject, you know, we we dress it up in fancy language, but calibration basically, if you think, is basically just it's looking and reading. Anybody that's been teaching can do that. You know, I remember once having a student teacher with me and they were watching, I think I was teaching maths or something. I'm sure that's what it was. And did the main teaching part. And I said, go go and practice this, you know, and we'll, we'll regroup in a bit. Went back to the student teacher and he said to me, how did you do that? And I looked and went, well, I've been teaching maths quite a long time. And he went, no, 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 not how did you teach that particular maths concept? How did you do that and I was still really really (laughs) confused and he said well you knew he said that that group over there needed you know a bit of a kick up the backside that group little group there those two there were misbehaving that group over there actually needed reassuring with it you can do this and that group Mm. over there didn't have a scooby and needed to be you know needed it to say in a minute look I'll come over and I'll explain it to you again in a different way he said you did that in about two two seconds flat and it made me think it was really quite good for him to ask that question because I was thinking, well, how did I do that? And then I thought, well, it was that nobody had said a word, but it was that observation of the body language and mm. the facial expression, which I suppose I use now without even realizing when I'm working, mm. either in, you know, I do occasionally do groups um, or or one to ones with with people. 
and, and you can use it online just as easily as, as face-to-face, mm. I think. Yeah. Do you do a lot of work online? Um, probably about half and half. So I, I hire rooms in the local town. It's about 20 minutes away. Um, and I see people face to face and I have some people travel. I've had people travel from from London to, to see me um, because as I say, I'm, I'm the go to IBS person or something. But then I've worked, you know, I do a lot of work either in London, in Europe. Um, as I was saying to Anthony last year, I was in Pakistan in wow. um, where else was I? The US, um, lots of places in Europe, as well as all around the UK. Um, and obviously they're done, they're done on Zoom because geographically, you know, hey, if they mm. want to fly me out to the US, I will come. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> business or flirt, business or first, preferably, but yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Not preferably. Business yeah. business is the least that you'll take. Yeah. Minimum <laughs> yeah. business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it's really exciting. And I actually, again, I like the fact that you can do both. I like I like the I just think think it keeps you fresh, you know, and, and you you may have to do things slightly differently online than in the than in the face to face in the therapy room. But yeah, I, I like the, the doing the both. So I guess I want to ask you for anybody that's listening that that is experiencing IBS. Do you have any any kind of top tips for them that they can take away? Um, get in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my number, number one, one. yeah. <laughs> um, I often say to, to, you know, we we don't have to, but quite often we, what I would call, uncover the story. As in, you know, think about when did this, this first start? What was going on around that time? And quite often it is a time of emotional upheaval, emotional upset, you know, and it doesn't have to be some big, major, major trauma. It can just be, well, I moved away from home and went to university, you know, which was a bit stressful or or something, Mm. something like that, you know, and just think, well, what can I do to help myself in, in that kind of area? But any kind of thing that you can reduce stress and anxiety, you know, will have a huge impact. Um, you know, you you perhaps hopefully Nicole were in that world. You you knew how to heal yourself, basically, sort of thing. But a lot of people don't. And also, I would say another number one tip is now Anthony. No, I think it's Freddie, isn't it? Freddie Jackman says we are of the disposition we always believe the person who is the least uncertain. And mm. medics, I don't think, always realise right the impact of what they say and I get a lot of people on that first session that will say to me oh the consultant the doctor the GP have said to me I've got this for life and it's going to be really painful and it's really going to destroy my life and you think oh my word there's a suggestion that they've taken on board and made it absolutely real Mm. and I often say to them well let's just put that suggestion that's been put on you to one side for a moment and let's just see whether we can do something sure. different yeah i always yeah. tell them when i hear that from them i'm always like and that's why they say that it's practicing medicine and not <laughs> doing it yeah. um because it's not true for everybody i say and they're like really i'm like yeah, yeah. they're just people too they yeah. don't know for sure yeah. um 
you know there's I definitely always... there's definitely an element of of starting to take responsibility as well and and moving moving out of and I don't mean this this in a in a derogatory way but there, there's definitely an element of you have to come out of the victim kind of mm-hmm. state of mind of oh you know this is happening to me and why is this happening to me and 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 kind of all of the the negativity that and the helplessness that comes with that way of thinking and moving into a state of okay this is my body there is nothing you know there's nobody's found anything you know I haven't got you know a hole in my stomach or whatever it is that there is there's nothing physically medically wrong with me so it's now up to me to take control take the reins and and make these changes and and also want to pull to, my head lo- out of my ass take responsibility <laughs> for my life and start to create yeah. something right. better there's all because there's also as i was explaining before there's a lot of secondary gain that comes with things like this yeah. right i don't feel comfortable there's something that i don't want to participate in there's something somewhere i don't want to be and you know without even without even needing to plan it my subconscious mind will go oh yeah there yeah. you go yeah <laughs> okay. and and, and it, yeah, I'm, I'm not a great one for for labels anyway, you know, so I often say you can ditch that IBS label for a start. And again, when I was yeah. teaching, you know, it's you, you tend to live up to the label, or, mm. or something, you know, it's not particularly helpful. And you know, again, sometimes I would say to, to parents or to kids, you know, look, we do need to get perhaps a diagnosis of, say, dyslexia or something, because then mm. we can get support. I said, but once we've got that diagnosis, we ditch the label. And I often used to say to the child, I said, you can sit there and go, well, it's my dyslexia. Well, it's my dyslexia. Well, it's my, I can't do this because it's my dyslexia. Mm. Or you can say, despite the fact I have dyslexia, what am I going to do to get better at English or get better at this and the other? Because you're putting them more into that well, what am I going to do about it? Rather than this is what right. this is what I've got. Otherwise, those it can those... just define you and it limits you, and that's that's not good. Yeah, well, yeah one call of the greatest empowering questions, you know, is sure. that what what you, you know, and and I mean, there's there there even on people's. I, I recommend people put them on their their mirrors. That one question that you know, what will I do today to be successful? And it's what that does is that starts to allow your subconscious mind to create you know ways around obstacles that you haven't even come upon yet because you've already figured out how it's going to be done right and Mm. it's not how but it's a great question i like empowering questions like that yeah 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 one one of the greatest medical suggestions i was ever given i must have been I can't remember how old I was. I was in my late teens, maybe even just just about 20. And I'd been having this problem, these stomach digestive problems since the age of 15. Um, I was in and out of hospital for years and was on all sorts of medications. And, and my stomach was shot to pieces, mostly from the, the amount of medications that I'd been on over those yeah. years. And it got to a point where the specialist said, well, we're going to, there's this new treatment that we can try and it's basically placing it's only been tested on a few people in the states um, and it's basically putting a pacemaker in like attaching a pacemaker to the mouth of your stomach and it gets your stomach to sort of work and and pump properly so that food can move through your system and and you can start digesting food again and this was going on for a little while. And then eventually we were like, okay, well, maybe that's the best route to go down. And I remember going to see the surgeon 
And my specialist hadn't told me this at the time. The surgeon then said, right, what we're going to have to do is cut you open literally from kind of the base of the sternum all the way down to kind of like the, you know, the top of the pubic bone, <laughs> put the pacemaker in. And then every five to 10 years, I can't remember what it was, um, we'll have to open you up again to change the battery. And every time you go through, you know, airport security and stuff, it's going to beep and blah, blah. <laughs> I came out of that meeting, probably all shades of green and grey or whatever it was. I turned around to my mum was like, there's no way I'm doing that. And yeah. from then on, things started to get a lot better. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can't, oh but that's, that seems awfully freaking aggressive to keep yeah. peristalsis going by by electric shock. Wow. Yeah, well, that was, that was for me, that was the best medical suggestion I ever received. <laughs> and my crew members in my subconscious were like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Yeah. No, no way, we'll sort this out on our own. Yes. <laughs> so one of the things that we always do, we always put our, our wonderful guest on the spot by asking them to provide us with some sort of a um, learning that they've had where you've done something as far as goes, maybe it's business, maybe it's with a client, maybe it's with whatever it may be, uh, you know, where you say Oh, I wouldn't do that again. What do you have to offer us? <laughs> so the, the one that's, that's coming to mind is um, I've got a really good memory for 99% of stuff, but names really, really, I find really difficult. And I could have taught a class all year and I'd be going and then I'd just suddenly look at somebody and I'd, and, and I'd be wanting to say their name. And this kid would look at me and I'd be looking at them blankly thinking, I've taught you for five months. I still can't remember. And they used to go, fortunately, they used to go, James, my name's James, Mrs. Wire. And I'd go, thank you, James. I know that. I know that. But trouble is, I do have this thing. See, it's really easy on Zoom. So when we were in lockdown and we couldn't see people in that very first lockdown, I, you know, I went back after the first lockdown because I was considered mental health. So I went back face to face after the first one. But in the first one, it was just all online, all on Zoom. Well, it's really handy because there's little names. Like I can see your name, Anthony, down there. So if <laughs> I ever momentarily forget your name, I can just do a really quick glance pretend I'm looking at uh, you know I just need to get a pen or something like that where I'm not I'm clocking your name because I need to use it because I do like using people's names in the session so we were going back into the therapy room people were fed up of zoom and they said oh I so want to do something online face to face for a while because we all got a bit zoomed out didn't mm. we and again using you know that name sort of thing and I'm going to make up some names so I don't, you know, inadvertently give, you know, give the game away. But I do like using people's names periodically through through a session and things and found myself looking at this person and thinking, oh, crap, I have cannot remember what you're called. I really can't remember. Now, say it was it was Nicole in front of me. And everything. And I just thought, oh, I know what it is. You know, I'm really sure I'm just going to take a punt here and I'm going to say the name Nikki. Well, this person who'd been beautifully in hypnosis just looked up and went, that's not my name. <laughs> it's like, 
I knew that. I was just testing. I said, does it make sure? I said, I thought you were completely, you know, you were getting a little bit too deep there. I wanted to bring you back out again. And then I said, remind me, what do you like to be called? <laughs> Eyes closed as you were. and went back to saying the name. So after that, I always have face-to-face -face sessions, my trusty pad of paper. And before I start a session, I will write the name down. So that I and that's the only it. thing you've got on your piece of paper. <laughs> at the beginning, that is the only bit. And several times I'm glancing at it and saying to myself, right, he's called, he's, she's called Nicole. He's called Anthony. He's called Anthony. And if it was you, I would actually have underlined the TH. So I remembered I said Anthony and not Anthony. <laughs> because you it know, could all go horribly It's funny. <laughs> I'll tell you a good way around that because I... I am guilty of that. I'm horrible with names. And I'll sit Helen, there and if it's... Helen, I'm yeah, Helen. If, it, <laughs> if it's not up at the top of the paper where I can see it up and I'm getting ready to start, I'm like, so now, do you go by a nickname or is there something that, you know, that maybe is more comfortable your subconscious? Like, what is your subconscious like? What do you like to be called? I, if oh, I, I like that. I'm <laughs> going to steal that off you. <laughs> That's what happens when I, if I forget their name, I'm like, son yeah. of a bitch. And I know that there have been times when I have been doing something and I'll, I'll just start going and I will use the wrong freaking name. Yeah. And I'm just like, and I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, when they're done, I'm like, did I call you something? Yeah. I'm like, Sorry, man. Um, but the way we work, it makes it okay. But I'm like, oh, 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 I've done that like once or twice before. Um, yeah. So good for you, Helen. And, and, and the, bizarre, <laughs> the bizarre thing is I can remember things like, you know, their daughter was getting married last week or their, their mom's going into hospital. I can remember so much around them. And it's just the name. There will just be this momentary, or sometimes I just I just carry on and, you know, um, and just I've even known to call people my lovely in a session because I can't remember their name. <laughs> you remember, you, you connect with the energy, the essence of who they are. The name is ill. It's just not important. <laughs> Yeah, us yeah, British can get away with that, my lovely. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I've fessed up afterwards if I've if I if I've got to know them because normally with IBS, we I normally work about five sessions with with somebody, um, and they'll see a huge shift from beginning to end. So you get to know you know these people really quite well in those, even though you're not doing it you know every week or something, you get to know them well. And sometimes I have fessed up and said. Do you know what momentary and they usually go I do that as well and then it all just you know because yeah I, I don't want to don't want to lie to them or anything <laughs> right well when we humanize ourselves right I mean yeah. in that that's what creates that deeper sense of rapport with our clients anyway mm. is because now they can relate to us in the fact that oh my god you know we're all on this journey together you know yeah, yeah and sure. on that note I think it's time to say goodbye yeah, Helen, thank you so much for giving up your time and for joining us um, on the podcast. It's been really great to get to know you a bit better, to yes. talk to you, to hear about what you're doing and to hear about your backstory and, and wish you the best of luck moving forward. And the training, the training, I believe, is still available for people. Training's still available. Um, yeah, you can, people can get in touch with me. Um, do you, <clears throat> after the podcast... We're 
yeah. we will put yeah. your, your links in the yeah, show so notes. People yeah, so people can get in touch with me if they want to do the, the training. And it's it is so rewarding. It really is to be to be involved in this work. And um, yeah, or if people want help for themselves. Very good. Excellent. Thank you so Excellent. much for inviting me. Thank you. Very well, coming really, on. Thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> very good. Very good. We had a we I enjoy talking with you. It's been a pleasure. It good. has been. And to our listeners, we'll see you. We'll be back in a week. Take care, everyone. Yep. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. You can also join our mailing list at hypnotichealers.com.